This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is The Media Mix. I'm Claire Atkinson. On this episode, threads and the future of social media. Yes, there's yet another social media app you need to be on. This one looks like it's got huge momentum already, and that's because it's from Mark Zuckerberg, who, as you know, owns Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram. So it turns out the metaverse didn't quite work out. So now Zuckerberg is getting back to what he knows best, the social network. And it launched at an opportune time. Last week, Twitter users bumped up against a limit on how many tweets they could see, and Twitter made other frustrating changes. So Meta pushed the button on its Threads app, which came pre-populated with all your Instagram followers and a host of celebrities from Shakira to Oprah and Ellen. So what is it, and how's it different from Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok? Is the focus text, photos, videos, all three? Is it a big public square, or is it just you and your friends? It seems it will be up to Threads users themselves to decide. Will people stick around? Will they create content for it? And how will they monetize it? Threads already has millions of users, even though Meta has made a decision not to roll it out in Europe for now. And while it doesn't have advertising yet, there are plenty of brands there from Wendy's and Spotify and Netflix. Should Twitter advertisers pivot now to threads instead? Well, for now, it doesn't have advertising. Mark Zuckerberg is looking to build an audience first. But of course, threads isn't the first attempt to cut into Twitter's 300 million or so estimated users. And we've already had Truth Social, Post News, Mastodon, and Jack Dorsey's Blue Sky. But for the first time, this app feels like it poses the biggest threat yet. So lots to unpack. Let's see how this new social app sets the stage for what could be a new era of social media. And as Mark Zuckerberg posted in his first thread, let's do this. So we caught up with Matt Navarra, who writes the Geek Out newsletter every Friday. It's where social media managers get up to speed on what's new in their world. We recorded this conversation on July 9, and I wanted to share that because the thread story is continuing to change. Welcome to the Media Mix, Matt Navarra. You are an expert on social media, and I am dying to know 
what you think of Threads. Threads, well, it's um, been teased for a little while, hasn't it? Uh, I've been looking forward to getting my uh, hands on it and playing with it. And yes. like everybody else, I've jumped all over it this last week. Um, I think it's really good. Very good, almost. I think that um, it pleasantly surprised me because Meta doesn't have the best track record in producing apps um, that stick around and, and things that people want to actually play with because um, it's meta and they don't seem to understand younger audiences by, this, by the looks of it. So when this came out and I had to play with it, I thought they'd actually done a very good job. Uh, and in terms of it kind of looking and feeling a lot like Twitter, which has been, you know, set up to, or we're led to believe is going to be what it's aiming at, targeting. Um, I think it's done a very good job. It feels familiar. It looks, uh, it does all the basic things you'd want something that was trying to replace Twitter um, to do, could do. And um, I think everyone else seems to agree, given that there's nearly, like, nearly 100 million users now, from what I can see, who have uh, signed up to use it. Yeah, they, they, they launched at a very opportune time, didn't they? I felt super frustrated last week with Twitter. I got locked out. There's the cap on how many tweets you could see. And I, I feel like it just came at that precise moment where people were like, this is it. I'm done with Twitter. And its arrival uh, to me was interesting because it came populated with an audience. It, it, you know, there's brands there. There's people I know there. I don't have to work at creating something else. Um, I did note on threads and on Twitter, some people already saying it's kind of boring and it's too dull and it feels like it's, um, you know, Adam Masseri, who is the head of Instagram and who's the creator of, of threads, I guess, in some ways. Um, he said he doesn't want to have politics on it. He's not going to encourage news. What do you think its chances are of creating something that gives you that feeling of everything that's great about Twitter, but gives you something a little more instead? It, does it feel like a next generation social media network? Yeah. Well, for me, I wanted it to be um, a replacement for Twitter in some ways, because Twitter for me is my, ma my main platform that I use. And that's where I have my largest audience. How big is your audience on, on Twitter, Matt? Tell us. It's about 168,000, I think. Um, and I obviously, as a professional in the industry, we're using Twitter. My, my biggest thing for Twitter for me is visibility to journalists and, and people seeing my tweets and then using them in content. And so for me to be able to exit Twitter, which I'm quite keen to do because I'm, I'm been disillusioned with it for some time, particularly with some of the decisions that Elon Musk has made, um, for me to be able to do that, I need something that offers, you know, the same level of opportunity and visibility to news media. And so when, uh, when it came out, I thought that was what, what we were looking at. But what seems to be the case from what Adam Vasari has said is that they're not going to do anything to encourage uh, news media and politics to shift towards um, threads. Um, it will probably happen to, degree, to a degree anyway, but they're trying to create something that's, that's far greater than that. And I think as much as that's frustrating for me, that is what happens. It does make sense because Twitter, you know, has any ever stayed compared to some of the sizes of the other major social networks, fairly niche with its two, th uh, 300 million users or whatever. And so for them to be successful, for Meta to be successful with threads, it needs to find a way to make something that maybe is a, a bit like Twitter um, and offers a text-based medium for social, 
that appeals to people who wouldn't traditionally use Twitter or haven't traditionally used Twitter. And that means maybe appealing to people that are more likely to be using Instagram, which this is tied to. And so I think that makes sense that they're doing that. Um, I think that there is still quite a lot of things that are not quite right with the platform. If it was to be more similar to Twitter, like the obvious one being a chronological feed, which we're told is coming. Um, it doesn't feel to me very real time. It doesn't feel to me to be very kind of the pulse of, of social. Yeah, it, it's a, the, the feed feels very, well, it's obviously high, it's algorithmic and, and you kind of see things from different people. Some you follow, some you don't, as well as out of date, more, more based on relevance or at least what the algorithm thinks is relevant to you. So it, it has a different vibe. I've, I've said to other people, I feel like when I'm using Twitter, if Twitter was like the, the city office kind of reading the news, then I think maybe you describe threads as a kind of the, the, the beach clubhouse. You know, it feels far more laid back and a bit more kind of um, sort of uh, quirky and relaxed. And, you know, and I, I, I and, you know, I disagree with that. That's a suggestion by people this week that it's a boring social platform. I think there's people who are not going to like it and that's fine. And I, you know, I have no affiliations with, with Meta. I'm not here trying to sell Meta's products. I, I say it as I see it and for me I think it's been a lot of fun and I think the people I've spoken to and you know some prominent significant people in both news media and social have been using it and have also said this is the first time in ages I've changed my iPhone home screen and moved a new app onto that first oh, page that's threads the being that one that's yeah, the test, that is right? the test. yeah so, that's good so to I, hear. I, I, I disagree. I think it's fun. I have found it quite a lot of fun and I've been spending quite a lot of time with it. So um, yeah, it um, been a good, good first week for them, I think. Can you describe it for people who are not on it or who are thinking about getting on it? Uh, what's different about it to Twitter? You can't message people yet, right? Um, what are the other kind of differences? Um, yeah, you can't message anyone yet. It does have this limitation with the feed being, you know, pretty much one style of feed, which is chronolo uh, not chronological, but uh, algorithmic. Um, it's, um, it's, it's been quite clever at hiding the, well, um, the who you're following uh, tab. So you, you can see who other people are following and, and also more importantly, how many people they're following, but it's a slightly hidden but um, to, to find it. And that's been a strategic decision by them to sort of stop people from sort of being resistant to following lots of people because their fear be the ratio of followers to following is wrong. So they've um, they've made that kind of less obvious. Um, but the other functionality is very much like you'd expect for, a, for if it's something that's like Twitter, you know, you can reply, you can requote, you know, retweet the equivalent of retweets and you can attach multiple images or video of up to five minutes and, and you know, those sorts of things. So there's, there's not a great deal of difference. It looks and feels much like Twitter. Um, but it, in terms of um, the sort of types of things that are on there at the moment it's hard to see what what will be the future sort of standard style of content because people are just you know chucking all sorts out to see what 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 feels right and you've got to kind of read the room and sort of feel like this is what people seem to be wanting to share here and so at the moment it's a lot of fun memes mocking Elon Musk as you'd expect and, and teasing meta and and then there's like lots of talk obviously most of the talk seems to be about the act product itself what people think about it and tips and tricks of, of using it and then there's there's some news content on there uh, there's also some spam on there you know it's not without you know when you add 100 million in a, in a few days you're going to get that come up and I've seen in my th uh, sort of uh, notifications and in my on my post there's been a, ha a small number of uh, bots or people self-promoting who I don't even know and I've had to kind of remove them but I would say that's no more certainly no more than I've seen in other platforms um, and I think if it was 
on Twitter, and you know, when I'm using Twitter, I see a far greater amount of that activity, and I think that's partly down to the the policies that Elon Musk has got in place and the, the lack of uh, moderation uh, and capability to moderate that, that Twitter has. So. So yeah, that's that's where it is at the moment for me. Let's talk about Elon. Um, he said he was going to sue Meta for this product. Does he have any standing? Do you think? Well, I, I'm not. I'm not a legal expert by any stretch, and but you know, from my reading of of what's been in the news about it and and seeing what's going on, I, to me, it just looks like classic Elon. You know just doing whatever he can to be disruptive to the situation and um, and uh, being an antagonist of some sort. But, you know, in terms of his accusation that there's people that have left or quit or been fired from, from Twitter that have somehow become uh, workers for Meta and that they are working on the product and then they've used their knowledge and skills from uh, or information about Twitter to help build a, a very similar product doesn't seem to have any any standing because Meta's come out and said, you know, I can only go on what Meta's saying. It could be lying, I guess, but I don't know. They're saying that no one from who's worked at Twitter's even touched the product in terms of product design or anything. So, um, yeah, I find it hard hard to see any sort of uh, future sort of success from there. And also, I think it was a piece in the news, isn't there, about the fact that uh, Facebook shrewdly bought up all of the AOL patents that relate to newsfeed, and therefore, if, they, if, tw- if Twitter really wants to go nuclear and and take on Meta, then they could say, okay, well, let's talk about the patents that we have that actually you need for your product to be able to operate. So, so I, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a game of brinksmanship and seeing who um, sort of okay steps back, but we'll see. In your mind, you you said on Twitter that you were packing your suitcases and going off to threads. Uh, How likely is it that you'll abandon Twitter or will people play around with both services? And is this kind of another, just another place you have to manage if you're a social media manager yeah uh, you know some of the stuff i say and i think hopefully people who know me well enough know that there's an element of tongue-in-cheek and stuff but there is a genuine desire for me to have to have to spend less time on twitter but with getting the same outcome as what i'm getting on twitter and that is that exposure of the distribution that i get through for my content and stuff uh it's not a lie to say that i have headed over threads this week and i've spent probably the same, maybe even a little bit more time uh, of my, my, and my attention on threads than on Twitter. Certainly my iPhone watched uh, screen time shows that that's the case. Um, I think for a lot of people, including me, I will be sort of, sort of um, sailing on both ships, so to speak. I will be trying to navigate both at the same time, which obviously adds to my workload, but enables me to kind of see, well, first of all, if, if I do stick around on threads, Am I going to use it in the way that I use Twitter or am I going to use it for something different? My early thoughts after using it now for three or four days is that I don't know if I would be able to or would want to use it in the same way that I use Twitter, which therefore might mean I have limited choice at the moment to stick with Twitter a bit longer, but it's still early days. Um, I think a lot of people will use both because they, there's a, there's a you know, Meta's notorious for pivoting to other things you know for, for people who worked in the industry it wasn't so long ago they everyone was told that video was the thing that meta was going to focus on and you should, as a newsroom should go to video and then then they sort of seemingly pivoted away from it and it caused a lot of problems so I, i'm all cautious about going all in with any platform but particularly metas um, and i think that it may be 
people will always use if Twitter doesn't, you know, maybe Twitter will be, it is going to be a lot different from what it was before. And the sort of discussions and the sorts of people that are going to use it more frequently is going to be different from what it was before. But maybe um, there'll be people that will use threads, but will also use Twitter and they will be used for similar but different things. And there's a place for both of them. But I do think that if threads continues to be as successful as it has been in this first week, that it will undoubtedly hurt Elon Musk's Twitter to, to, to a degree because there is a lot of overlap. Um, and once they put the ad platform in place, um, which I'm sure will come in, in due course, that will be the true test because at the moment Twitter relies like 90% of its revenues through ad revenue. And if it's going to be a similar platform does that, but then has a better ad targeting platform and is more brand safe, then you can see a scenario where maybe either advertisers don't spend at all on Twitter and just switch over to the meta, maybe more likely that they'll spend about on both, but that budget could be diverted partially to meta and that will undoubtedly hurt Twitter. I mean, that's a really good topic, the money. Where, where does the money come from? When do they switch on the ad platform? It seems like a very smart move for meta to have given brands the heads up that they were going to launch this product and to have the likes of Wendy's and Spotify and Netflix and Peacock already be there uh, when you flick it on is really pretty smart. I guess the question is, when do the ads come? Mark Zuckerberg typically likes to build an audience before he introduces the ads. Are you hearing anything on that, Matt? There's, there's been some discussion about it. I think it has been reported on, well, they, they've said, um, as Adam Mazzari and, and Sook has said, that it will be some time, you know, further down the line. But I think there's been a time frame of about 12 months has been said. I think it might come a bit, a bit before that. They've, I think a year is what we've heard is before that becomes. But there was an article this week, I think I can't remember if it was in Advertising Age or one of the other um, sort of journals, saying that they'd already approached advertising agencies with a pitch deck explaining their vision for for threads and what that might look like and the opportunities that might arise so they and that may be that could be for all i know a, a, a sudden change of heart given the phenomenal success because i think there was a estimation or, um, or um, expectation by meta before launch that they would get around 10 million uh, uh users or signups in this initial period and obviously they by a multiple of at least four or five in the first day had um, blasted through that. So there may be that they look at that and think, do you know what, we'd be foolish not to kind of accelerate slightly given the accelerated growth in, in, in that we didn't expect. So yeah, I think it'd be sometimes down the line. Same with the other bit, which is creator monetization. You know, that uh, we're in this era now of social where the creator has a lot of power and is uh, of high importance to these platforms. And so finding ways to incentivize them to spend more time on your platform and giving them ways to create a sustainable um, uh, experience or a sustainable living through the use of threads is going to be another part of its uh, sort of foundations to make it uh, viable going forwards. We, we should point out this is a spin out or a sibling of Instagram, right? That was an interesting yeah. choice. And I believe you can't delete your threads. If you have an Instagram account, you have to get off both that is currently the scenario which for most people including myself is feels a little bit perverse but it's a it's one of those quirks of when you've got one platform that's heavily integrated into the other trying to kind of separate the two 
can prove to be tricky. And, and again, I'm not a technical expert in terms of building apps and platforms, but they have said that that is the state of play. If you want to get rid of threads, you have to get rid of your Instagram to do that, which is obviously most people are not going to do. Um, so I, I would imagine we'll see in the coming weeks and months some um, change to there's an ability to just uh, delete. I think you can hide your Threads account. So that kind of semi-accomplishes what you want, might want to do without having to delete your Instagram. But we'll see. I'm, sh I'm sure that will be fixed. So when I got on Threads, I noticed there were lots of questions about permissions, which struck me as um, a good thing that Meta is listening to people about the fact that their privacy is important. I've seen other posts uh, that s suggest there are lots of red flags here and things that perhaps people missed in the rush to sign up. Um, do you think that Meta is being more thoughtful about being honest about the kind of data that it's taking from us in return for giving us this product? Um, I don't think there's any any great difference from any other social media platform. You know, you could argue that, that from what we know, that Meta will take or use more of your data or process more of your data to, for your, to be able to use the platform. But ultimately, like all social platforms, it does use a lot of data of, and you have to sign up to agree to that. Um, I don't think that will put a lot of people off. I think that if people were genuinely going to be put off by it, then you'd say, well, if they're not happy with being on threads, then they would probably be the sort of person that's not going to be happy to be on TikTok or Twitter or anything else. But of course, we then they are using those platforms and we are seemingly accepting rather you, you could be upset by it and, and not happy about that situation but you are still using it and so I can't see people not using threads because of these concerns but people seem to chat about them a lot I don't think there's any difference a great deal of difference at all between threads and Instagram you know it's a very tightly integrated kind of product from what we can see and the community standards and the data processing requirements and all of the other bits, you know, they are very much the same from what we know. So I think, you know, if you don't like that aspect of social media, then you probably don't want to be on social media full stop, not just not on threads. As to how much you can trust Mark Zuckerberg and Meta, well, that's a whole different question. You know, what these platforms tell us versus what they actually do, we've seen from history that doesn't always align, you know, and TikTok is just as guilty as Meta and, and all of the others have kind of been... Uh, caught out at times doing things they shouldn't be doing so doesn't mean i agree with it doesn't mean I approve of it doesn't mean it's right it just means that's where we are and i and i think the point i'm trying to make is that meta it with this particular product doesn't seem to me to stand out as any better or any worse than any other competitive apps and then just to explore this idea of the decentralized web um i was chatting with gary v who's a social media expert and he's an entrepreneur in the media and marketing space and we talked about you know the frustration of creators getting millions of followers and then uh, you know say you're on myspace and then myspace dies or you're on facebook and young people stop using it y you know the the problem of having to constantly recreate these audiences and the, I guess the promise of threads is that in a decentralized um, Web3 world that uh, social media creators can somehow port their audiences and that you might be able to access threads on other 
services like Mastodon. Do you have any thoughts to share on that? I think that the promise of it being decentralized is an interesting one, given that this would be the first time Meta's done that. So that and first of the major platforms really to sort of in, um, start doing something like that. And I think it adds an additional sort of safety blanket uh, for, for people who are concerned that they go into this and then think I've started and I've built something within the threads world and then I'm not happy with meta or something or it's not but you know doing what they wanted it to do and then let the ability to port out there so time isn't completely lost that's that's going to be a useful helpful thing to have um in terms of how successful they will be at making the platforms um decentralized well there's already people in the world of the feder versus it's called who are not happy about this big mega company that has got this bad reputation coming into this kind of cool world of the Fediverse, a bit like you know the, the protectionist sort of stance that people at Reddit and the moderators have about their you know their very sort of shielding of their communities. It feels like there's a little bit of like there's them and us um, with this as well. So they could come up against obstacles with people who are gatekeepers in that world to some degree in terms of uh, allowing Meta to come into that environment. But I don't know how successful that will be. But I think it will become increasingly popular and also commonplace for platforms, social platforms to make the ability for you know the portability part of it a thing, especially we, now we've shifted to be, move to this creator economy where um, people want to be able to you know, an, manage and own their uh, their audiences and people's livelihoods are at stake here. You know, it's not just the fact that isn't it annoying when a platform just disappears one day. For some people, that can be devastating for their career. If, so, if a platform, I, I, you know, obviously I don't think it's realistically going to happen that suddenly TikTok's going to end one day in the next few years or, or, or YouTube, but say it did, you know, the amount of people that would have a massive impact on their career is, is phenomenal. So I think that the, the importance of it will rise the you know commonality this or sort of, um, the frequency that we'll see platforms allowing this to happen will rise as well um but it's whether the user behavior how quickly that catches up because i think there's a lot of features that people say oh we want this and we want that and this, we, you should be able to do this on the platform and then they create it and people don't end up using it that much it's just there and then no one uses it I, I i wonder how long it'll take for people to actually decide you know what i've had enough and i will extract myself out it's, it's hard to see vision what that might look like but it but it's coming um and social media is changing rapidly in the last few years and we'll we'll see how meta does with it, its integration into this kind of new uh, decentralized world matt navara i look forward to following you on twitter on threads and wherever else you end up uh thank Thank you for joining us here at the media mix i really appreciate your time thank you for having me that was matt navara and if you like what you're hearing check out his geek out newsletter now during our conversation i mentioned my chat with gary v gary v who's also known as gary vaynerchuk is the founder of a marketing and media communications company called VaynerX. gary v has been urging creators to give threads a go we talked last month about decentralized social media in a Web3 world and how creators are making a great living out of catering to audiences they built on the platforms. But what happens when those platforms start to decay and they want to hop to something new? Gary has some 10 million followers on Instagram alone, making him a pretty big social media star. This is 
the Media Mix. I have Gary V with me on his yacht in Cannes. We are talking about the future of social networks. Gary, you just helmed a really interesting session. Thank you. One of the most interesting things I thought you said was about how communications has changed the world. The discussion here was about what's next in social. Can you sum up some of the points for us? Tell us about what, where it's going. Look, I think the majority of the conversation focused on the evolution of what Web3 will do. Decentralized social networks. So for everybody's listening, obviously Facebook owns the servers, TikTok, all that. Those are centralized companies. The thought of building a social network on top of the uh, blockchain where nobody owns it is a profound thought. So we had a lot of talk about that. We got into a lot of conversations around, you know, where is the value exchange? Like what's in it for the people on these platforms? Do they make money? How do they make money? You know, I feel like my argument or, or point of view was, hey, the attention that these platforms give you, the, I don't have to tell anyone who's reading this um, or listening to this, when you are someone who had no followers and your third TikTok got 41 million views and now you can do sell your spaghetti sauce, but that was very good. And so I think they brought you value. Others feel like you should get value for everything you do. And we talked about privacy and we talked about people's data. I made the point. Let's talk about also like the the idea of you built an audience somewhere and you get deep and you can move it, yeah. or you can like can creators yeah. move their audiences around. In the the, con- the concept with Web three is if you have your audience, well, you can move around with it because you are owner of your audience on a decentralized social network, which is true. It's like your new. It's like your database. It's your database. Got it? Because it's no one's database. It's your database. So this is a profound thought. I have 40 million followers on MySpace. Then MySpace wasn't big anymore and wait a minute, what happened over here on Twitter? Could you have brought that over to Twitter? The answer is yes. Now the question is, did they leave you? Because every time there's a new social network, I go there and I have plenty of followers because my audience went there with me too because they're still interested in me. A lot of people blame these social networks for like having them lose fans when in reality their fans were declining and not caring as much and that's why they didn't go over with them. So, how do you win on social media, Gary? You're very popular. You check out lots of new places to go. Tell me, what's the secret of, I mean, you mentioned the idea of shadow banning is kind of dumb. It's literally, you don't do yes. social media well. Yeah, a lot of, how do you do it well? You do it well by trying to make content for the audience, not trying to make content for yourself. I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. Go look right now. If you're reading this or listening to this, go in your feed, and look at the video or the picture, and ask yourself, did this person make this for me or did they make it for them? Tell us what you're looking at. What are the new social networks on the horizon that you think have promised that could replace the, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the LinkedIn's? Nothing right now. You know, I always, people are always like, what's next? I'm like, I promise you the second I believe it, I will be loud and proud and I'll be on it. There's nothing right now that makes me feel it. There are some oldies but goodies. Let me explain. Facebook Reels, Reels on Facebook, not on Instagram. Incredible amount of free attention. That's one place to look. Uh, YouTube Shorts is really 
really good. There's a lot of good there. I think it hasn't been maximized. I think Snap, Discovery, another place overlooked that might be good for creators. So I think there's some oldies but goodies or nuances within the oldies versus new platforms themselves. That's currently where I'm at. Tell me what happens with Twitter. Where where does that go on the Linda Yaccarino? Is there going to be product innovation there? Is she there to create a media empire for Elon? Where does that go? Yeah, I think Linda is a saleswoman. So I think she's there to get revenue for Elon. She's a sales-driven CEO. She has outrageous levels of credibility in this town that should service the business well. I think the innovation is unlikely to come from her. That's not her thing, uh, though I'm sure she has plenty of thoughts on it. But uh, Elon's already innovated by comparison of Twitter historically, and I think we'll continue to see that because that's in his DNA. You think they'll buy things? Is there things they could add on that would make Twitter better? That's a great question. I've always thought that one of the strengths of Meta was that Mark was very good at M&A. I mean, that Instagram and WhatsApp purchase was really good. Uh, I don't know if Elon is uh, about that life. He's more inventor to me uh, than attention operator. Uh, right now, tomorrow he go make a move, and I'm like, up oh, there it is. And so, you know, I tend to not, I tend to not have underestimating or overestimating feelings towards operators until I have a little bit more of a body of work. And uh, and uh, Elon's still fairly early in his Twitter journey. Yeah. Last question, Gary. Anything you can tell us about uh, decentralized social networks? Can they really succeed? One of the downsides is it's hard to get a critical mass there. Everybody has to follow. Um, yeah. If you're on post or whatever, Mastodon. It, it hasn't really replaced Twitter. I'm still on Twitter. I'm addicted. Um, are you it doesn't have critical mass. Are you optimistic that decentralized social networks have a future? 100%. I genuinely believe it will happen. Um, but it will take time. I mean, you know, Friendster, MySpace, those were two very early indicators of where the world was going, but there was hundreds that failed trying to do the same thing. Uh, and so just because all those things failed didn't mean that Facebook couldn't, right? So I think the technology is too obvious. So my answer is I fully believe that it will happen. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's four years from now. I don't know if it's seven years from now. But I think it's a matter of time. But I do think it's going to be, the downfalls are people are going to be exposed to the merit. They're going to have to drive it because there is no algorithm. There is nothing else. And so uh, it'll be fun to see how it works. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be right there front row acting on it when it's here. Uh, and I appreciate this interview. Thank you. That was Gary V, and you are listening to The Media Mix. I also tracked down Emily Bell, who is a leading thinker on digital journalism, as well as a professor at Columbia Journalism School. We chatted about what the news media is thinking about Twitter versus threads. When you read uh, things that Adam Masseri has been posting about it, Something that provoked a small amount of outrage in our world was uh, he said, look, news and politics are really important, but they're not a priority for us, which was, um, I think, actually quite a sensible thing to say. Um, Facebook has had an engagement with the news industry over the past few years, which has almost entirely pulled out of Um Adam Masseri's post about it said, we don't want the negativity and the scrutiny that this brings. Well, if you're a journalist, you're immediately, your hackles are rising on that. And you're th- but, but, but what they're doing is they're setting the tone and saying, this is an advertising medium where, where what we are going to promote are brands and influencers who have only positive things to say. 
if you're a journalist, you feel, and, and actually, to, you know, to, to, to be honest, Twitter really did for a long time produce a service that I think we're going to miss as a society, which is that ability to find out what's going on in the world right now with a relative uh, speed and the accuracy. And it had all sorts of problems. I don't want to um, underplay that. But it doesn't feel as though Threads is going to replace that. And it doesn't feel as though Blue Sky is quite there yet. I agree with you, Emily. One of the most amazing things about Twitter was being able to watch the young Iranian schoolgirls throwing off their headscarves and you felt like you had a ringside seat to history when it was happening, history in the making. Um, I think, as you said, Adam Masseri does not want to see threads become overrun by politics and news, which I think drives engagement and drives audiences. But as you said, is a place where advertisers don't want to be. So, you know, where do, where does this leave us d- d- as we m- roll into the presidential election of 2024? How do you think, where are people going to go? Are, are journalists going to hit Twitter? Are they going to hit threads? Are they going to do both? Is it going to be like choosing between a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks tribe? Are we going to have to choose our tribes? It's such, an, it's such an interesting question, Claire, and we study this at Columbia all the time. And I think that it's really hard to know. And, and I think that threads themselves, I think Adam Masseri said, you know, one of, one of the things he will know, because he's a very experienced executive in this space, is that you don't always get to say how people are going to use the space that you build for them. So whilst I can see what they want to try and do with this, I do look at something which is a text-based medium and wonder how they are going to drive, as you say, engagement and daily use if they don't have writers and reporters at the heart of it. I once spoke to Jack Dorsey about the growth of Twitter and the relationship with journalists. And he said, and this was not just, uh, I think, pandering to the press, but he said to me, you know, journalists have been power users on Twitter since day one because they really do drive, you know, the, the fact that they're there means that the politicians are there. It drives the conversation. And even though journalism is shrinking, you do have a group of highly skilled professional people who produce stories on a daily basis. They know how to uh, write about them. They know how to address people with them. They know how to find audiences. And that question about what do we now do as the press or what do, what do journalists now do? Where do they find their following? I think it's really interesting because I think it might depend very much on what kind of work you do. So I think, for instance, if you're interested in lifestyle and culture and um, internet culture, then if you're not on TikTok, you're not going to have an audience that's in the right demographic. If you're hard news and politics, it's really difficult to say because Twitter was it, and I just don't think it's going to be that platform for the 2024 election. I think that that I think that that activity is going to move to threads, and then it will be really interesting to see how Meta want to handle that. Um, so to me, it feels as though we will see that shift. The big news organisations will take this as an opportunity to try and build a bigger uh, base and direct relationship with their audiences. So they will all be thinking about how do we drive more traffic to our apps and how do we keep the audiences there? We've already seen a couple of organisations be really successful with that. I mean, the New York Times' story is one of just adding 
sports sites, puzzles, you know, et cetera, et cetera, just to keep people on that native app. But there are so few news organisations for whom that is going to work. What I really worry about is what happens to smaller outlets, what happens to local outlets. And, you know, you talk to, we, we talk to uh, editors and, and people who've created newsletter businesses, podcast businesses. It, Twitter was such an important referral mechanism for those, you know, and much more so than for, for, for big news organisations. So I immediately worry that if we don't have some, if, if, you know, if we don't have any corporate interests who are batting for that kind of media or news outlet, that they've already had a rough time and it's only going to get rougher for them. So that's something that I really do worry about, which is how does this help local news? How is this going to help people with newsletters? How is it getting, you know, and I I don't think that Adam Masseri's we're not really interested in news and politics is going to hold. That's my, that's my prediction for this. I think they will shift on that. I mean, I wondered if it was something that he said that would help the lawyers make the case that Threads really wasn't about copying Twitter because precisely that Twitter's about politics and news and threads is about something very different. Um, Do you think that it takes away from, does it take Facebook Meta's eyeball off TikTok or off other challenges as they uh, grow this business? Um, My teenager has not got on threads so far. Neither have any of her friends. They're glued to TikTok. They're glued to the Snap Maps. Um, Can where do you see Facebook's challenges here? Sorry, I should say Meta's challenges. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good point, which is um, the issue for Meta is how how do they chase the fastest growing app in the world, which is TikTok? Um, I think in America, clearly, they are putting some pressure on the government to see it as a national security threat because it's created and run out of China. But it's really interesting that that hasn't so far, apart from people being told to take it off their phones if they've got a federal job, hasn't really got as much purchase as I thought it might have done by now. Um, And I think advertisers and influencers, and there are lots of people in America, for instance, who'd be extremely sorry to see TikTok disappear. So, so So that really has captured the young audience. And we've seen how Instagram has been trying to go after it with um, Reels, uh, so, so, so the thing with Facebook is it's always very good at acquiring and producing um, versions. I'm, I'm very careful, Claire, not to say copies, but versions of things which are already out there in the market. Uh, but it never hasn't, you know, it, it it hasn't quite managed it with TikTok, and it's really interesting to see whether or not they will manage it with Twitter. And the other thing to say is that it's always been it, it it's always been a possibility that Meta could have bought Twitter. But I think they were really, uh, didn't want to do so for a couple of reasons. One of which is um, it was a lot of money and it's not clear that it's going to be highly profitable. But the other reason was because it's just a red flag to regulators who are already saying, well, it shouldn't really have been allowed to buy Instagram. It's grown too quickly. I think there's something in here which is actually really useful for Mark Zuckerberg and Meta which is the ability to say to regulators, well, look, look what happens in the market. We're just providing something now that um, the market couldn't provide. And 
you know, go ahead and break us up or shut us down if you like. But the alternative then is going to be a Chinese developed uh, controlled app. And we all know that in terms of Chinese software and Chinese companies, it's very difficult to know exactly what the relationship between the data and the government is. So it doesn't feel, that doesn't feel great from the American um, federal uh, government regulation perspective. So so weirdly, to some extent, I feel like it's almost as though this has been a lifeline thrown to Meta to say, for them to be able to say, look, we are going to provide um, spaces and services for American and European advertisers and all of this trying to sort of break us up or saying that we're too big. Look what happens when you have rogue people come into the market who aren't responsible in the way that we are. So I don't know. It's, it's a really That's a great do you point. Know, I mean, That's a really good point, Emily. Yeah. I, I hate, I hate to be the person, Claire, going, I think this is actually quite smart for Mark Zuckerberg, and here's why. I think it's changed. I, I do think, you know, if you think about what, what they were floundering around with the metaverse um, a few months ago, and now everybody is talking about them in a more positive way, when they really shouldn't be. <laughs> so I think that's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my feeling about this, which is that accidentally it's it's or maybe maybe by design it's actually quite a smart move absolutely elon musk making mark zuckerberg look like a, a positive person it's kind of an amazing turnaround um <laughs> emily you're, you're in the, you're in the uk right now um is threads yes. in the uk why is it not in europe um, so threads is definitely in the uk uh in europe um well so a couple of things, one of which is uh, you have a different regulatory regime in Europe. So you've got the Digital Services Act, which is talking about what they call very large online platforms and approach to that. But I think it's also just it's also just a scaling issue um, that America and the UK get threat. You know, they tend to get all of these products early. Uh, and they gradually kind of, you know, gradually move out. But uh, I think, I mean, you say it's not in Europe. I'm, I was actually looking this morning, and you know, there are definitely, there are different, definitely different languages, etc., on there at the moment. Um, it's, uh, it's. I think it's going to be interesting to see how and when it's rolled out. Don't forget that Facebook started as a campus product. And the reason that Facebook is as successful as it is, is that in those very, very, very early days, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his team got what they call scaling right, which is they slowed the release of it down campus by campus. And that's how they managed to beat all of these um, other competitors like Friendster or whatever that were around at the time. So it's a whistle it's in the company's DNA to be quite careful about how they roll out products. And we've seen that on Facebook as well, right? So News Tab goes to certain territories first and then not to others. And there's always a combination of two things when Facebook does that, one of which is just pra practical balancing the um, technical requirements. But the other one is often regulatory as well. So it's like, where do they think that they will face regulatory pressure for it? Where do they think it will help? That's often, I think, an overriding concern. Um, and so Europe, it will be interesting to see what they do about Europe, because obviously uh, the European regulatory authorities are very wary of American, uh, what they call very large online platforms. 
and the DSA has already brought in a whole bunch of measures to say that they need to be um, assessed or risk assessed and they need to comply with all kinds of other things. And also, if they are too big, then, you know, they're going to face uh, fines or potentially being, you know, having to kind of segment their businesses in Europe. Yeah, that's probably a really great note to end on, Emily. It's always so amazing to get your perspective and to hear your the depth of your knowledge on these topics, Emily. Hope you'll come back and join us here at the Media Mix. I'd love to. I'd love to, Claire. It's great to see you there. And it um, must be awful for you down there in one the south of France. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Next up, ad entrepreneur John Bond. I talked to John about some ideas he has for making Twitter more palatable for brands. Just a few weeks ago, everyone wanted to know what the new Twitter CEO, Linda Yaccarino, is going to bring to the table. That was before the launch of Threads. Here's John on where Twitter should go next. If I were Linda, um, what I would do with Twitter is, well, it's about fast-breaking news. And I think there's so much you could do with advertising that's about fast-breaking news. First of all, you know, at least half to two-thirds of all the money spent is to launch new products. And so there should be a whole thing about new applied to brands and products. I mean, they could make a fortune just on having a platform for all the new products um, that are coming out, you know, maybe even early, first on Twitter, here's this new car. Um, That's what I would do if I were them, if Linda's listening. Yeah, that's a a great idea. It's a no-brainer. And how would that show up in the feed? It would just be part of your feed if if they knew that you were in... So if Twitter's all about immediate news... Um, that to create something that's like semi-advertorial, um, right, uh, branded content that also is, uh, help people are interested in new products. That's what I would do with Twitter. I think it's so simple and obvious. I don't know. But, yeah. It sounds like you know the secrets to good advertising, John. Tell us about how, how it works. Well, that's the thing. Without sounding like I'm really old, uh, which I am, <laughs> but... I think the problem is that people are so worried about the form and at its essence the what makes something really good or bad is exactly the same and I think people aren't as good at um, the fluency of ideas you know you mention ideas in a board meeting today you get thrown out because it sounds like you're some you know wishy-washy soft brand person you know and so everyone's interested in shiny and new and data and so I believe that the quality of the ideas has declined because there isn't as much emphasis on training people on what is a good idea there is a what is a good idea. There is a how to do it. There is a... And... Um, you think companies have forgotten that? That they've gone away well, from that? That they're so focused on data and all of this other stuff? Yeah. That I they've think, forgotten uh, what connects with consumers I think emotionally? I think they're blinded by all the noise. There's so much noise and complexity that I think they don't realize that still the most important thing is the idea. And not just an idea, like an idea that works for everything, works inside the company, runs for, works for 10 years. There's nothing that, that's more relevant than ever, yet no one talks about it. 
people don't learn how to do it anymore. And as a result, there's a lot of superficial one-off stuff that comes and goes and everyone forgets about the next day. That was John Bond. We need to have him back on the media mix now that Threads has potentially changed the game for advertisers on social media. That's it from the Media Mix. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media and threads. And you can also stay in the mix by subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your audio. And you'll find the newsletter at themediamix.substack.com. Drop us a line at themediamixus at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.